Um, I want to just give you a little bit of explanation. Today we're going to talk just a little business, not a lot, but primarily at the end as we conclude, I want to share some details with you. But I want to just explain a little of why we do what we do on a few of these things. Take the book. There's a three-ring binder on the end of your row. Pass it down. In there, if you would take out the note cards, it'll help you uh, track today. There'll be blanks to fill out. Um, we ask that you would take a moment and just sign your name in the book. That helps us make sure that you're doing okay. We've actually had people that, if we've noticed they've missed two or three weeks, check on them, find out they're in the hospital. So um, take just a moment, sign in on that, and it helps us to uh, just kind of follow up and make sure all of our church family's doing well. And you'll also notice on the back of the notes, there's something called the movement card. And that's a layout of things coming. You'll see our Christmas Eve and our Christmas morning service, different things that we have going. And I do want to, I just want you to understand something. We've, you know, we've been on this journey together as a church family through building progression and growth and development and trying to do more than just have people show up at church. It's a real deep conviction of ours as an eldership structure. We really aren't trying to just attract people to attend services because that substantiates a consumer mentality. And we're really not called to try and attract consumers. We're called to make disciples. Well, everybody say, make disciples. That's our call. That's our mandate. So in this journey, trying to walk this out, figuring out, you know, where's membership in the Bible? What's that really look like? Uh, the idea that we've really determined is it's really not about a membership organizationally speaking, but it's a membership of a family. It's identifying as a family. Isn't it neat that every person born, God's plan, is they be born into a family unit? That's God's plan. So when people come to know Christ, we want to have the family structure to sustain and encourage that they might grow in their faith and relationship with the Lord. So what we've started to do uh, two years ago now the beginning of the year marks a 40-day focus where we're going to walk through what we would say are our five fundamental core values that God has stirred in our hearts. has to begin with love, so our first one is outrageously loving. So our first message in that 40-day focus will be on what it is to be outrageously loved by God and outrageously loving as the expression of God's love to our world. And we will get into small group, what we call community group discussion questions that week. So if you're going to become a member of the Destiny family, then we want to ask you to commit at least for that 40 days to experience community on that level of relationship and talk through what we believe to be the imperatives for us as a church family and really um, allowing the Holy Spirit to have His way in each and every one of our lives. So... What we've been doing is trying to empower you not to, we don't want to inspire you to fall in love with speakers, we want to empower you to fall in love with the Savior. That's what making disciples is about. So we started this journey, it was interesting, it's been a year and a half. Um, in John, the Bible says, where Jesus reveals, the Scripture speaks of me. Isn't it interesting that in the New Testament we see where Jesus says, the Scriptures speak of him and the New Testament had not yet been written. So what we discovered is that means every single book of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, reveals Jesus in a unique and specific way. So we just started in the book of Genesis, and we found Jesus revealed in Genesis, Jesus revealed in Exodus. So we're going to have 66 messages on our website 
uh, that will be available. You, when you go to study a book of the Bible, go look at history, context, and the unique revelation of Christ in that book, and it will help you be better students of the Word. We've gone all the way through the Old Testament, through the four Gospels, and now today we're finding Jesus in Acts. And this is what I want us to understand. Jesus in Acts, very simply put, is revealed as Jesus in action. That's what Jesus in Acts is all about. The Holy Spirit has come. The power of God has been revealed. The New Testament church has been birthed. The the power of God is now being demonstrated in wonderful and powerful ways. And God wants us to understand that. I want you to know. and, 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 And by the way, before we go into this any further, I just want to make the point. Anybody that's been around church for any length of time has been taught certain portions of Scripture in a certain way, and and I want to just make sure we all understand this. It's not that we've been taught incorrectly, it's just that we have learned incompletely. And if we're not careful, then we bring whatever portions of Scripture we start looking at back down to what we've already learned, what we've already heard. I've heard this before. We start rehearsing the, the, even the neurological pathways of our brain just align themselves with where we've been, and we don't learn a broader revelation of what God might want to reveal. So I'm going to try and expand that today as we look at the overall book of Acts. I'm going to point out a few verses of Scripture, and I believe God is going to have an individual conversation with each of us and an overall congregational conversation with all of us. How many of you know God's big enough to talk to each and every one of us? Anybody want to hear God for yourself today? Can I just see? So I want you to take that hand and just put it on your heart. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you. Your word tells us never to grieve you. I pray, Lord, you would just help us to recognize and understand and realize One of the well, the most important relationship we could ever work at is our relationship with the Spirit of God that would cause us to be more like Jesus and to understand more the commission of the Father. Speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' powerful name, Amen. So, the book of Acts reveals the kingdom of God breaking into the earth by the Holy Spirit's power in phenomenal and amazing ways. Never in the history of the world had God's kingdom come so forcefully into the earth. And it came through the broken body of Christ that then revealed and released the Holy Spirit of God, not just to anoint, as we see in the Old Testament, one person per generation, which was commonly the way it happened. But now in the New Testament, every person in every generation is to walk as Jesus did according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. For as many of you live in Christ, so should we continue in him and live as he did. It's an interesting verse of Scripture when we start evaluating and looking at our our mandate and what God's called us to. You and I are, how many of you believe that we live far beneath our potential in Christ? Can I just see? Like, we need to discover this. We need to recognize this. So let's explore it a little bit together. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
I want you to know that we have a deep conviction in this house that Jesus is Lord, and you need to give your lives to Jesus Christ. Follow him as your Lord and Savior so that you can be in relationship with God. Jesus didn't come and die so that we could be religious and attend church. He came and died so that we could be alive and awakened to the purposes of God. There are gifts in each and every person here. And we want the Spirit of God to blow on those gifts and awaken something within us that we might start fulfilling our God-given commission and literally our God-given potential will be awakened within our lives. We believe that you need to give your life to Christ. We also believe that you should follow after Jesus' example and be baptized in water. It's interesting that Jesus passed through water just prior to being released into the greatest dimension of ministry he had ever seen in his life. He went through the water and then found that place of ministry out of the wilderness. The Israelites went through the water when they came out of the bondage of Egypt. And everything that had held them and their forefathers captives in terms of generational curses and all of that was judged in the water as they went free, passed through the Red Sea, and all of their captors that had held them back died and perished that day in the water. I believe water baptism is very significant for your life. It's a place where we serve judgment on the entanglements that we have danced with in the world, and we say, I'm going to be free. And and water baptism is about death, but the only mourner is the devil because he loses his hold in your life. Come on, somebody shout with me today. I like what Chris Estrada said when he was here, God's Word ought to have home field advantage. I believe we shouldn't make it hard for God to speak to us. God's Word needs home field. Come on, somebody. Amen. The promises of God belong to us through our yes and amen. The Scripture tells us that we're to interact with Him and embrace and receive what He wants to reveal. So we should give our lives to Christ, receive Jesus. We should follow His example in baptism, and we should be filled with the Spirit, not just once, but perpetually, continually, over and over. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with God's power. And it's a decision that we have to make and walk this out. Listen, life can be difficult, and we need all the possible weapons of our warfare at work in this life that we're living in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. Don't wrestle everything down theologically. Stop it. I get so aggravated with people trying to explain everything that's happened, and you cannot understand and explain everything that goes on in a fallen world, because it's a fallen world. There's stuff going on God doesn't want to go on. Do you understand that? Like, I believe God rarely gets His way in the fallen world. Like, there's stuff that happens that God doesn't want to happen. How many know it's not God's will that any should perish? But God doesn't get His way. When people don't devote their lives to Christ. And so we need to see this perspective of what God's calling us to and what he's asking us to accomplish in the fulfillment of our lives. I believe that the body of Christ is a a giant to be awakened in the earth. Listen very carefully. Uh, the, The city that you live in will be transformed by the power of hospitality of everyday believers long before it will be transformed by preaching from the pulpits. And here I am preaching from a pulpit. And the book of Acts, let's be clear, was born from preaching. So obviously preaching has a very important role in New Testament church. 
But if all we're doing, guys, is listening to sermons, we're just getting more religious. There's not one thing I could stand up here and proclaim out of Scripture that you don't completely embody, and God doesn't want to bless and empower that you go out and fulfill the Great Commission in your world. Like, we're, like, God's put a whole lot more in us than what we realize, and I want that to be awakened today in Jesus' name. So life can be difficult, and we need to exhaust every possible element of warfare that we can embrace to walk that out in the fallen world that we live in. I was driving down the road. We had guests over. Steve Upple and his family were here from England. He's got a full tribal unit. We couldn't all fit in my car. And uh, Faith had just gotten her driver's license, turned 16, just got her sweet 16 car. Her grandpa helped her get the car for Christmas, and she loved her car. And so I said, hey, we can't all fit, so Faith, why don't you and Lexi drive behind us and follow us on the trip we were going on just across town. So as we're driving along, I see this in my, I want you to think about this, okay? I see in my rearview mirror a semi-truck crossing three lanes of traffic coming right at my daughter right behind me. And my heart sinks, and I realize, because I'm close enough, we're really close, and I can see that she realizes it, because I see her looking, and, and I see her trying to speed up. And the truck hits her, and uh, in the driver's side rear, and um, she, it caught her, and, and he stopped, uh, or he slowed down enough that she was able to break loose, thank God, or it would have flipped, and if it would have flipped, Lexi would have had to roll down the window, put her arm out if it rolled, and just hold it up over the, you know, so it wouldn't dent the car, I'm sure she would have done that. And so, but, but it, the, the truck slowed down, and, and so Faith, age 16 years old, gets control of this car, fishtailing, I mean, I'm watching the whole thing, I'm like having a moment, and I'm a real proud dad, you know, I'm watching the whole thing happen. And uh, so she regains control, and she stops, and I, I get out, and, and of course, I'm a Christian. I mean, you guys know I'm a Christian, right? I'm a Christian. I get out, but the adrenaline's racing. How many of you don't always act like a Christian? You are a Christian, but you don't always show it. And so I get out, and the trucker is in the truck, and I am thinking in my carnal brain, I'm going to whoop him. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't actually processing it. I wasn't strategically planning where, you know, where I was going to punch first. But I was, I was crazy. Like, she was, you know, the truck hit her. And so I got out of the car. And this is what I said. I'd like to say I went out and said, bless the situation here, Lord. That, that's not what I did. I got out and I said, what's up? What is up? <laughs> that's exactly what I said. And, and the trucker is, like, looking at me. <laughs> Like, who's the dude that's coming? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't put it all together yet. But I, I changed my tone really fast when I realized I'm screaming at the trucker who's right behind Faith, who thinks I'm saying to her, like, what's your problem? And she now is face, you know, hands, face in the hands, sobbing, because she thinks I'm mad at her. Oh, kill me. All of a sudden, I became a tame little daddy. I mean, you know, there's a lot of power there that I had to temper. And in reverse, I want you to think, Tracy, or sorry, Faith, as a new driver, I saw her trying to speed up, but this is how she was speeding up. She probably was thinking, don't speed. How I many you know you got to speed if a truck's coming? And she was pushing on the, on the gas, but what she needed to do was floor that sucker. 
And so, you know, we've talked about that as a naive driver. She didn't really know the power that was at her disposal. As a naive or a beginning driver, she didn't really know. She was kind of a novice driver. She's learned that now. She's kind of a novice driver. She didn't know how much power she really possessed. As novice believers, many times we're getting creamed out there because we don't know the power that is under our control. Can I tell you God's power? God's power. Stop letting your mountain take your faith hostage. We have allowed ourselves to grow discouraged because of circumstances, and then we let that define us, and if we're not careful, situations around us in the temporal world start to tell our faith, shut up, sit down, you have nothing to say. But I say, rise up and speak up and declare God's word to your mountain that it be removed. Come on, somebody help me fight some battles today in this place. Somebody help me tear up some giants in this house. We're declaring the giant will fall. Hey! Bless you, Lord. He's given us an amazing measure of power. Here's the problem. Modern day theology. Our modern day theology in the church. It's reduced the gospel to self-serving pursuits. We're no longer even focused on anything except how I can have a great life for me. And what you're doing when you're bringing it all back to a self-serving disposition is you're congesting your theology, you're damming up the power God wants to reveal and release, not just for you to conquer that giant, but for you to lead an entire army of people past that giant that's trying to hold you back and stare you down. So all this modern-day theology tends to be wrapped up in prayers that are asking for easy living when God's actually given us not only enough power to fight for ourselves, but enough power to fight for those around us as well. There's a group of people in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that lowered their friend down through the roof, and Jesus looked at them and said, your faith has healed this guy. I think there's something about the company we keep and the people we hang with that really matters in our faith and in our life. So write it in your first blank if you would. Stop asking for easy living and get in a fighter's frame of mind. There's some fighters in this place. So people, that they get knocked upside the head by the enemy and the word starts spewing out. They don't just cave in. They don't just buckle. They have a response, and it's a spirit-led response, and it's a kingdom-expanding response. It's a devil-chasing response. It's a bondage-breaking response. I, you know, this week I've just declared, I want to be more of a man of God than I've ever been in my life. I want to be more of a man of God. I want to fast, pray, seek God, know God, make Him known, love people more readily, unconditionally. I want to be a man of God. I want to know Jesus. 
all of a sudden in the book of Acts, God's people are filled with power and they're needing to be awakened to God's purpose that will align with the magnitude of God's power. I said that the magnitude of God's purpose is huge and it needs to be aligned with the magnitude of God's power. And when that happened, something supernatural begins to occur in your life. Amazing, in the, in the book of, of Acts we see, suddenly these people started speaking in other languages, started speaking in other tongues. People started hearing the gospel in their own language, and they didn't even know the language they were speaking. Say what you will, but I'm just telling you, God's power is so amazing that he wants to release something of an equivalent magnitude throughout all the generations, listen, especially in the last days where your sons and daughters will prophesy. The gifts of the Spirit are today. The last days, our kids will begin to hear the voice of God and declare the oracles of God. I don't understand it all, but I'm telling you, I was standing on the streets of Mexico with uh, Tracy and I went to college with a guy named Brett Brown. And, uh, and, and, you know, we were in this setting that was kind of surrounded by not everybody really agreed or believed on all the, the same way theologically. And, and so we just said, hey, let's just go out. And, you know, we're on a mission trip. We went out to the streets between the ministry times just to try and meet people. And as we're walking around, just ministering to people, loving on people, looking for any opportunity, something God might want to do, we took an interpreter because I know enough Spanish to accidentally say bad words and things. And so they had to control me. And Brett knew no Spanish whatsoever. Taco Bell, it's about all he knew. And so we're walking through the streets of Mexico, and the interpreter's there, and, and this guy, young man, comes up, and Brett starts a conversation, and the interpreter is the go-between. Hi, how are you? Hola, como esta? You know, back and forth. And so here they are, back and forth, going back and forth. And, and, and the, the guy, like God, starts dealing with his heart, and he, he, right there on the street, wants to give his life to Christ. And so, like, you can tell, he's emotional, and so Brett... Tells through the interpreter, pray this prayer with me, and we'll introduce you to God through Jesus. And so, Jesus Cristo. You know, he says, Jesus, Jesus Cristo. And the guy responds, and this is what's amazing. I'm telling you, I was standing there watching him. He speaks in English, the translator then translated into Spanish, and this guy then prayed the prayer. And then Brett spoke in English, and the translator translated it to Spanish, and this guy prayed the continuation of the prayer in Spanish. And then Brett spoke in English, and this guy prayed. The interpreter never said anything. And I noticed it. And then Brett said in English, and the interpreter mouth open because this guy's praying in Spanish. He knows he doesn't speak English, and he knows he doesn't speak Spanish. But Brett's praying English, this guy's praying Spanish, and the Holy Spirit became the interpreter between the two. I mean, how cool is that? And after I realized what was going on, then my jaw dropped. I'm like, listen, God is an amazing God. You and I were created to be fascinated by this powerful God. You and I were not created to be limited and confined by man's idea of religion. Come on, I understand that. I know here I am pastoring a church, and in a sense, you know, the organized fashion of religion, I hear all that stuff all the time. Let me just say, we don't have this all figured out. We just know we're the family of God. All of us have our insecurities and our dysfunctions, me at the front of the line, and we just want to say, Jesus, whatever you want to do with any of us and all of us, if he can use you, friend, he can probably use your buddies. 
Last week, Pastor Ken quoted out of a book, Mark Batterson's book. He said, Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. Jesus died to make you dangerous. I want us to understand Jesus didn't die so we could go to church. Jesus didn't die so we could have a religion. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe, to build our empire. Jesus died to make us dangerous. A great price was paid so that you and I could find these incredible verses of Scripture. Ephesians 2, such a beautiful verse of Scripture. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. How many of you have heard that verse before? What a great verse. It sounds so wonderful and like alleviating, doesn't it? Like it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do for you. And like you don't have to do anything. Just believe. It's a great verse. But I just want to point something out. The book of Ephesians was a letter written at the hand of Paul who was going through all kinds of tension, conflict, and warfare to get that nice sweet verse into our hands. And in fact, what we find is the book of Acts is kind of a guide to help us study the letters of the New Testament. And you can find where Paul was in that particular region as he's going to write those letters to the church that he establishes. And in fact, the book of Ephesus is born out of this conflict that's revealed as we look in Acts chapter 19. So I'm going to take you now to Acts 20, and we're going to look at this and see the continuation of Paul's writing. But understand, he's just come out of a horrible conflict. People are trying to kill him. Like the book of Acts, all about the power of God. We celebrate the power of God. The power of God is given to you that you might make a difference in the world around you. And it's not always going to be easy, but sometimes it is. Thank God for the mountaintops where we're inspired, but thank God for the valleys where we're matured. Because we need them both. (laughs) I'm about to preach it up in here. So this tension was happening in Acts 19, and then we go on from there in Acts 20. When the uproar, speaking of the uproar in Ephesus, had ended... Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia for three months because, why? The Jews were trying to kill him. Like, I thought when you gave your life to Jesus, everything was bliss. I can't tell you how many people come and talk to me, and they're so disillusioned because they've heard the nonsense, modern-day generational theology garbage that tries to tell people, all you have to do is accept Jesus, and then everything's going to be okay. Can I just tell you, when you accept Jesus, you sign up for war. You need to be prepared for battle. It's going to be okay, but it's not going to be okay because it's going to be easy. It's going to be okay because you have an undefeated king fighting for you, my friend. He's never been defeated. But that doesn't mean you're not going to have to fight. So here's the tension. This goes on in chapter 20. And again, the power of God in this man of God. In verses 22 to 24, and now compelled by the Spirit. I love other translations say bound in spirit. Listen, we need to learn what it is to be bound in spirit to the purposes of God. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Hear the uncertainty? You hear like... You don't have this all figured out. We've just come through the political season where, I mean, I, 
I had a hard time hearing people who had it all figured out. They had all the, no way they could have all the information, but they had all the answers. I know, don't talk politics. But I understand, we all need to understand. None of us have this all figured out. And here's Paul saying, I'll be led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know, this is what he knows. I, but let me ask this, how many of you want to hear the voice of God? Okay, number one key to hearing the voice of God is to hear what he wants to say more than what you're trying to get him to tell you. Verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. I want to just say again, Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. Jesus died to make you dangerous, and we need to be raising up a dangerous bunch of disciples who are willing to devote themselves to the greater cause of Christ every day they live for the rest of their lives. Society has tried to tame Christianity into a self-serving religion. See, people get really nervous when I start talking like this. Because it's like, where's all the happy moment? Where's the happy side? You need to understand something. Happiness is the counterfeit of joy. So when our theology is based on providing happy, happy, instead of understanding revelation of joy, then we're actually trying to buy into the world's system, ask Jesus to help us get the world's stuff we really want, when the Bible doesn't say Jesus is the way to the world's stuff, it just says Jesus is the way, period. And we need some warriors that will rise up and understand. You want to recognize true joy? You begin to devote yourself to the purposes of God. You give yourself completely to the assignment he's purposed. There's no greater joy in your life. Don't you settle for anything less. There's no greater joy in your life than to be absolutely devoted and given, surrendered, and sacrificed even to the eternal purposes of God that he's purposed for you from the beginning of the world. When you tap into that, mm, Last blank, we seem to have exchanged the priority of being deeply convicted for the pursuit of being greatly encouraged. And I think we have a little bit of a, uh, one guy from the UK told me that in, in America, he came here and he heard the parents always saying this one phrase over and over, good job, good job. Good job. And I thought, hey, it's kind of crazy. And then, like, I listened. Good job. I'd say it all the time. Like, this overdose of affirmation exists within our society. Okay, I don't want to get too far off here because I want to stay true to the gospel. But in a society, in a world where everybody needs a trophy so that everybody's happy, and, and you understand, good job, good job. Sometimes we can overdose on affirmation. Some of y'all just quiet. You secretly amen to me. Here's, here's the thing. If we were to take enough steel to make $30 worth of nails and put that quantity of steel in the hands of a nail maker, it would be worth $30. If we take that same amount of steel and put it in the hands of a needle maker, it would be worth 10 times that, worth $300. 
It depends on whose hands it's in. Steel in the hands of the nail makers worth $30. Same steel in the hands of a needle maker is worth $300. That same steel in the hands of a Swiss watch maker making fine Swiss watch springs is worth $3 million. It all depends on whose hands it's in. The church in the hands of man becomes a self-serving religion producing a bunch of frustrated people in congregations all around the world because largely they've never been equipped to get beyond their own needs and desires. But the church in the hands of a risen Jesus, now that's a church that changes the world. It all depends on whose hands it's in. And I want you to know, we don't have it figured out. But we're further along than we were a year ago. And watch and see a year from today. Jesus loves the church. He's doing everything he can to help us understand how to be the church that he wants us to be. That we might fulfill all he's called us to fulfill. So I want to ask you today. Will you bring the resource of your gifted life into the context and framework of the family of God? If this is where God's called you... Let me just say, be here. If this is where God's called you, be here. Be family. You know what? If you go home today, you can try it out. Just go home, sit at the table, and just say, I'm ready to be served. If everyone would please serve me now. And after you are holding your face from being smacked, then you get up and you work together. Why? Because that's what family does. We make the meal together. We clean up together. We have a lot of fun when we do that together, actually. I pop the girls with towels. They put the rubber band on the squirt thing by the sink, and when I turned it on, it sprayed me, and the fight was on. I mean, you know, family has a lot of fun when they work together. A lot of people go to church and they say, well, it just never felt like family. And largely it's because they kept showing up just waiting to be served. They never found their place to serve. This Wednesday, we're going to take some time and celebrate everybody serving in all the different areas of the church. We, we, call, we call volunteers here servant leaders because leadership begins by serving. So this Wednesday night will be a, a special servant leader appreciation, and we've got a, a surprise coming, and we'll play a, just a little while a clip to let the cat out of the bag for those of you that will be there. It's going to be a great time together. We want to fulfill the commission as a family. But how many of you know, we don't want to just organize a bunch of people into a bunch of religious action. We need to understand at the core, this is about you knowing Jesus personally. So I want to just ask you to pause with me in that moment. Would you just, just open your hearts just for a moment? Just what does God want to say to you personally? I mean, all of us in the room need to take a step forward and be more like Jesus today. Hopefully, the breaking of bread and His Word at His table that He gave His life for us to be able to come to helps us to be awakened more to what He's desiring to do in each of us and all of us. But just, I want to ask each one of you, just with your own heart available to Him, Holy Spirit, do in this room right now what only you can do. We don't want to rally religious activity. Lord, we just want to respond to you. 
In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes closed, if you're here and you say, man, I need to take a step forward and just decide to follow Jesus today. If that's where you are, you're not following the Lord, you're not serving God, then I want you just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you before we go out of this place. Anybody at all? You say, I, just, I need to follow Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. So, if you would just you go look up here, you know, we, this is what's so cool about this. Like, all this is is the initiation of a communication with God who really wants to talk to us like a father talks to a child. If you want to see a great expression of prayer, find a father and a child that are communicating and they have a good, strong communication relationship. That's prayer. God the Father reveals that. He wants to talk to us so much that he sent his son as a word made flesh to initiate conversation. So salvation is the beginning of that conversation. It's not the completion of it. It's actually the initiation of that conversation. And now, like when you're awakened to the purposes of God, it's like you get the spiritual software that hadn't been running. It's downloaded. And, and so you find yourself, wait, I think, what, was that God or was that me? And, and then you start, it's a whole new wrestling game, like trying to figure out, is it God, is it me, is it God, is it me? And, and let me just say, that never stops, okay? Like no matter what, you're, you're going to always be wondering that, but you'll always get better at hearing the voice of God the more you pray. It's just conversation. So that's what salvation is. So for the five that lifted their hand, I want to ask if everybody will pray this prayer. And let's all initiate conversation on another level in agreement with these five that are initiating conversation to begin. So come on, say it with me out loud. Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, and you died, but you're not dead. You're risen from the grave. You are who you claimed to be. You're the Messiah, the rescuer of humanity, the Savior of the world. And I admit, I'm lost without you. I need you to save me. Be Lord of my life. Awaken me to hear the voice of God. John 10, 27 says, My sheep, they know me. They hear my voice and they follow me. Today I know you. I will hear your voice and I will follow you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, why don't we celebrate? Let's thank the Lord Jesus. He's a wonderful, wonderful God.